uh, Matthew chapter 5. Just continuing on, just looking at the Beatitudes uh, over these Wednesday nights. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Let's just pray as we turn to God's word tonight. Amen. Father, we just come again and ask that you would speak into our hearts tonight for your anointing to be upon your word. Give us ears, Lord, to hear and hearts that are tender and open to receive your word. And Lord, also hearts that are willing Lord, to obey and apply your word to our lives. Lord, just help us tonight. We pray, Lord, that you would give help in the preaching of your precious truth, Lord, that you would undertake for us and that your name would be lifted up in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 5, beginning to read at verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Just verse 6, if you go back to that, I wonder could we read this together tonight? Uh, verse 6 there, if we could all read it together. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just to recap again, that word blessed means to be enlarged or the enlargement of the individual and in this verse here that we'll look at tonight, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And I just, at the beginning of this, I believe that Jesus Christ is our righteousness. It's a desire for him. In Jeremiah 23 and verse 6, it tells us there in the days of in his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness and he is our righteousness so it's blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after the Lord Jesus Christ and that's a spiritual desire a hunger and a thirst and I just you know if I was to ask any sincere believer who follows the Lord Jesus Christ I believe if I asked the question uh, do you desire to be filled with God filled with the Holy Spirit filled with Jesus I would say, and I believe it would be right, you would agree with me, that 100% of sincere believers would say, I want to be filled with God. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with God, is to be filled with Jesus. And so if, if, that, if that question was to be asked, I do believe that sincerely every believer, genuine lover of Christ, would want to be filled with him uh, for his name's sake. The church before it ever engaged in the commission was promised by God, by the Father, that it would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I know some of these verses are, are pretty basic to us, but if we could just 
go through a few of them in Acts chapter 2 just to see that it is the purpose and the will of God for a believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with God. In Acts chapter 2, right at the beginning of the church in Acts 2 verse 4, it says there, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We see at the very beginning, it was the purpose, it was the will, it was the plan of God that his followers would be filled with himself. That is the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that was not a one-off experience, but it was something that was continual in the early church. If you just go over, there's so many examples, but just to pull out some in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, we see that here again there's a repeat of what had already happened when they prayed, Acts 4 and 31, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. The Bible says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they speak the word of God with boldness. And so we see this pattern. You'll find it in the early church and throughout the instructions in the epistles. It is the purpose and the will of God that we would be filled with the Holy Ghost when men were being uh, set aside for the purpose of serving in the church of Jesus Christ. Just another couple of chapters over in Acts chapter 6, we find there that they sought out men. And these men uh, were, were men, to, uh, in verse 3, wherefore brethren, Acts 6 and 3, wherefore brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, and then, this is the criteria for service in the body of Christ. Full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. There was also full of the Holy Ghost and power. Full of the Holy Ghost and faith. The Holy Ghost brings wisdom, brings power, brings faith. But these were the men that would be appointed over the business of the church in serving the tables. It was the will of God that all would be filled with the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 9, just go over again. I know there's other verses in between this that I can bring to you, but I just want to move over these few verses tonight to show us that it is the will of God that every believer would be filled with God. And when the church was about to be, as it was established and then persecuted, and the great missionary endeavor of the church to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the figurehead really of that was a man, Saul of Tarsus, who was wonderfully born again on the road to Damascus, Paul the Apostle. In Acts chapter 9, after he'd had that wonderful encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, in verse 17 it says, Ananias went his way, entered into the house, put his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou comest, has sent me that thou might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. You see in the pattern, the will and the purpose of God from the beginning, it is recorded for our example, for our learning, for our instruction, that we would be filled with the Holy Ghost. It was Paul in Ephesians, if you turn over to Ephesians chapter 3, then Ephesians 5, it was Paul that brought this truth to us in writing to the church at Ephesus and in Ephesians 3, and verse 19, he writes these words, Ephesians 3 and verse 19, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. 
What a verse. What a, what a, what a powerful verse. This is the purpose. This is the will of God for every believer. Now we may know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. And that ye might. This is for every individual who loves the Lord and, and, and serves him. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. He goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. That well known verse. Be not drunk with wine. We're in excess. But be filled with the Spirit. And so the reason why we just, in the introduction of this tonight is just to present to you, and there's many more verses. It is the will and the purpose of God that every child of God is filled with God, filled with the power of God, filled with the fullness of God. And Jesus, back into Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And this is a promise, for they shall, for they shall, for they shall be filled. Every one of us naturally know what it feels like to be hungry. In the natural, every one of us experienced a certain amount of hunger, certainly not like uh, famines that we've seen on our televisions but we know what it feels like in a natural in the natural man to be hungry and wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if a group of God's own redeemed people came together and what united them was an extreme hunger and a deep thirst for Jesus that was their sole purpose for meeting together our soul gathering would be that we have a hunger and a thirst for him and him alone. What would the result be? Well, his promise is they shall be filled. Filled with all the fullness of God. Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Filled with faith and wisdom. Filled with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. This hunger and this thirst. Jesus says this is the criteria for those that will be filled. They are hungry and they are thirsty. <coughs> But this hunger and this thirst which Jesus refers to is very rare in the Western church. Amongst the Western church, this particular criteria of spiritual hunger and thirst is rare. People that are so desperate for God, so hungry for the Lord, to be thirsty after Him. In the natural senses, we've all seen the famines over many years that have been brought to us on our screens and we've seen the devastating famine and we've seen what people would do when they're hungry. We've seen the journeys that they would make. We've seen the, the travel that they go through, the distances that they would go just in order that they would find food or they would find water to quench the panting tongue or to fill the empty belly. We've seen them on our television screens. The Bible says in Psalm 107 and 9, For he satisfieth the longing soul, and he filleth the hungry soul with goodness. He is the filler, Jesus himself. But how can we define hunger and thirst in biblical terms or in spiritual terms? Well, I looked at him, Christ, as our example. He is our example while he was on this earth and I believe that the Lord just showed me what it is to be truly hungry and truly thirsty after righteousness. 
In John chapter 4, we read of a wonderful encounter, if you would turn there, but we see here a hunger. We see two forms of hunger. We see the natural form that we would be accustomed to in the physical, but we also see a different type of hunger found in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This wonderful encounter at the Jacob's well with the woman of Samaria was a wonderful encounter between the Lord Jesus Christ, a divine appointment. And in John chapter 4 and verse 7, it tells us there as that there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples then, it says, were going away into the city to buy meat. Why were they in the city to buy meat? Because they were hungry. There was a natural desire for to be satisfied. The Lord and the disciples had been on a journey. They went on into the city. They left the Lord sitting at the well. And they went in to buy meat. No doubt we can identify here with this hunger. The hunger that made the disciples to travel into the city to buy that meat. But the hunger that Jesus referring to here in Matthew 5 and 6 is something completely different. In John 4 and verse 30, if we go on down the chapter after that encounter, we know it well between Jesus and, and this woman. It says, Then they went out of the city, and they came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, we now have brought the food that we purchased in the town, and here it is, so you're better to eat now, because we were hungry. I'm putting that little bit in. But he said unto them, now I want you to see what spiritual hunger is. I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Christ had been satisfied. His hunger had been, had been satisfied with something completely different to that which they were thinking. Verse 33 says, Therefore said the disciples one to another, Has any man brought him aught to eat? Who is it that fed him? We've gone into the town, we've gathered together the, 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 the requirements in order to satisfy our natural hunger. But when we came, Jesus said that he's already had meat. Who is it that fed him? And then Jesus said these words. And this is what I believe that spiritual hunger really is. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And to finish his work. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. The meat or the desire or the hunger, what satisfied the heart and the longing of Christ, the hunger that was in him, was to do the will of God. Now that might sound simple, but brothers and sisters, when Jesus said, blessed are they that do hunger, it is a desire to fulfill the will of the Father while we are here on the earth. My meat, my desire, my hunger is to do the will of God and to finish his, his work. What satisfied that heart and the longing of the Lord Jesus Christ was to please his Father. When we go to the cross, here is an example of him hungering, but on the cross, we also find that he thirsted. In John chapter 19 and verse 28, 
And again, I want to show you what spiritual thirst is. John chapter 19 and verse 28, Jesus is on the cross. It is coming right to the very point of his death. And it says in verse 28, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Jesus was hungry. He was satisfied by doing the will of the Father. And here on the cross, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel of full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, Praise God, it is finished. The work and the will of the Father have been completed through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. This thirst, not only was it most likely a natural thirst, but there was a deeper thirst in him. And that thirst and that longing was to do the will of the Father and to complete the work that he had been sent to do. Isaiah chapter 53 tells us this, that great chapter that we read so often. But Isaiah 53 and verse 10, if you turn back into that great chapter, Isaiah 53 and 10, remember the cry of Christ, I thirst. What was satisfying Christ was that he was doing the will of his Father and that he was laying down his life and finishing that work. But in Isaiah 53 and 10, it says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11. He shall see the travail of his soul. And what does it say? Those four words, and shall be what? Satisfied. Do you know what that word means, satisfied? Do you know what it means? In the original, fill or to be full. What satisfied him? What satisfied him was to do the will of God and to lay down his life as an offering for our salvation. To have enough to be full, to have plenty, to satisfy. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge, by my righteous servant, justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. That word satisfied, to be full, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. In the person of Christ, it was in his obedience and in the sacrifice of his life that satisfied him. The obedience of God always requires a sacrifice. The, to be obedient to God always requires a sacrifice. This criteria to be hungry and to be thirsty is a desire to obey him, to obey his word, and to sacrifice these lives for the sake of this gospel. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 32, 
it tells us here again a well-known verse. But in this act of obedience and obeying the Lord and obeying his word and obeying his call upon our lives, with every act of obedience, you'll find it in everyone who's ever stepped out in obedience to God that there was a sacrifice. There is a sacrifice. So if there's a hunger and a thirst, there's a desire to obey God and there'll be a sacrifice in that. That's not for our salvation. Not simply the, the, the whole principle of faith. But in Acts 5.32, it says, And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. So the obedience brings the satisfaction and brings the filling. If we're not willing to obey him, if we're not willing to sacrifice in that obedience, then there is no filling for these lives. And so we come back again to the simplicity. Disciples one day, they had left everything. They had made that decision. They're going to follow Jesus. But amongst themselves, if you turn to Mark chapter 10 and verse 28, can I tell you something? In the whole realm of it, there is no sacrifice really in it all because his sacrifice is enough. What we offer, what we give, brothers and sisters, never comes into line with what he has offered us. But Peter said unto them in Mark 10, 28, said unto Jesus, Lord, we have left all, and we have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man, there is no man that has left his house or his brethren or his sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. This is what Jesus said, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecutions and in the world to come, praise God, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. The, the, the call in this beatitude that we're talking about, blessed are they which do hunger. We see in the person of Jesus Christ as our example. The hunger was to do the will of the Father. The, the desire to step out and to obey him and to sacrifice. That was the satisfaction. That is where the filling truly is. And in a world that is where we're crippled with materialism where we have everything, where we largely, I'm saying in a broader general sense, that we are largely at ease in Zion. And the desire is, God, we need the filling and the power of the Holy Ghost. But are we willing to obey him? Are we willing to sacrifice? Are we willing to step out? You know, it's easy to give something up. You know, some might say, I give my job up in the mornings because you don't like your job. You know, it's easy to give up something that you don't like. I wish God would just call me because I hate my job. But perhaps it's in the job that you're in that God is looking for that place of obedience and sacrifice. That's where your satisfaction will be. And so we look at these wonderful men throughout history and women that have been satisfied. Why? Many of them are unknown. But we read their testimonies. We read their, their, their life stories. Many have gone home to be with the Lord. 
And we see that in that life, there was the same every time. There was a point in that life that they obeyed the call of God. And they stepped out and they sacrificed the temporal for that which was the eternal. And they are satisfied. They're full. And listen to, Nikki and I listen to um, an 80-year-old woman, Maud Kells, as most of us know her who at the age of 24, just last week she was sharing in the Faith Mission Convention in Bangor, who at the age of 24, back in 1963 or 4, obeyed the call of God to go to Africa, left for the mission field out to Congo, and she's lived that life at the age of 80. She was standing, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. There wasn't a dry eye in the place as she shared to the glory of God, the wonderful testimonies. Her last trip was just, uh, I think, at the beginning of this year, and she was coming out of where her mission station was, and the MAF airplane was taking her out, and she flashed up on the board behind us. Uh, she, said, there, she says, this is the picture of me leaving. And as she was leaving, there was just a sea of black faces, maybe about three or 400, I'm not too sure, but there was certainly a large crowd of black faces just looking into that camera, and she says, you know, she says, to the glory of God, I, I birthed every one of them physically. Every single one of them, I practically birthed them all. And you just seen these sea of faces looking up as she was flying off for the last time. And she says, but if you look up into the corner, way up in the corner of this picture, there's a little church. And I've also seen practically every one of them spiritually born in that church. And at the age of 80, she said, I was in the Bible study this morning and I was hearing about that crucified life and living the life of that cross and that crucified life. And I was saying, Lord, do that work in me. At 80 years old, the sacrifice, the obedience and the sacrifice, she's satisfied because the life was given. Let me tell you, God's no disappointment. If we step out in obedience, we may not go to Africa. We may not go to India. We may not go to the South Pacific. We may do that. But brothers and sisters, we can step out and obey God in Balanahinch. We can sacrifice our lives here in our neighborhoods, in our streets, in our districts, in our towns, in our villages. And we can be satisfied with the fullness of God and the winning of precious souls for Jesus. She obeyed and she sacrificed her life. The call at the end of her testimony was, but who will go and stand in my place? And she began to weep as she showed a picture of the time when she was shot of her dearest friend, a black lady from one of the natives who nursed her and was right beside her, beside her the whole way through much of her mission time had seen her saved and this wonderful lady was with her and that lady as the, the math plane was taken off for the last time had run down, run down the, the uh, runway after the plane waving. And one week later, that precious saint took a heart attack and went home to be with the Lord and Maud began to weep. It wasn't a dry in the place. And who's going to stand in the gap? Who's going to pay the price? Who's going to obey the call? Who's going to sacrifice? This is, this is 
This is what it is to be spiritually hungry. And friends, I believe with everything, even though we're living in a material possessed world and we have all the comforts and we have a, that largely it's all at ease, but I believe we can be spiritually hungry. I believe we can obey. I believe we can sacrifice. And I believe we can be filled even here tonight in Balnehenge. Have you become comfortable and at ease? Have we lost sight of what is eternal? Have we got stuck in a place of that maybe someday it'll be Africa for me and all the time we're missing the purposes of God right in front of our very eyes that God is saying, step out and obey me. Sacrifice and you'll be satisfied and bound the hinge. Even in drought, your soul will be satisfied. Why? Because you've obeyed the call and you're following after him. And whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your heart. And so many think that obedience and sacrifice is only for the mission field. This is our mission field. This is it, friends. Pray that our young ones as they come up and even older ones, whatever way we look at it, cause no respect or the persons or age or color or anything. But pray that they will get up and grasp the call for the mission field. But I'll tell you where our mission field is today, friends. The darkest places on the earth is just across the English Channel. The great revivals that are taking place and the churches are growing across Africa and the Middle East and China at at an unbelievable rate. But one of the darkest places on earth is Europe. And how can we so easily become settled and comfortable how can we generate again this hunger and this thirst? Can we generate it? How we need God's ability to stir our hearts, to anoint our eyes that we would see, to stir our hearts to the call on the purposes of God where we are, where we work, where we live, where our church is planted see men as God wants us to see them, to see the souls that are lost all around us, to see, yes, they might be handfuls, but brothers and sisters, eight went into the ark and eight were saved. But he obeyed and he sacrificed. Let me tell you, friends, he was satisfied. He was filled. How we need our hearts, brothers and sisters, not to lose sight of that which is the eternal not to lose sight of the purposes of God. That if we, in our obedience to the call of God and our sacrificing, never get to the point that in some ways you feel that you've lost out. Friends, let me tell you something. You can never lose out with God. Just obey Him and sacrifice. And you shall be filled. How we need our hearts to be stirred. Make us willing Keep our focus. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Jesus said, they shall be filled. Friends, are we willing? That's all he requires. Are we willing to obey him? And to sacrifice? And to give of ourselves, of our substance? To give of ourselves? We'll be satisfied He's no man's debtor. 
He'll fill us through and through. How we need that filling. How we're willing, friends, in these days. Let's pray together. Amen.